Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I wasn't quite prepared for just how strong a feeling or a strong reaction I got from the, from the movie. I think it's a beautifully captured feature. This is so beautiful and I absolutely love everything about it. I don't think anyone quite does intimacy and feelings in the way that she does and the two main performances are just so incredible. Despite everything that's going on in there, there's this strange warmth from the film that kind of radiates from it and it's got possibly one of my favourite endings I've seen in a long time and it was actually a real joy to watch it again. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Flixwater Podcast. Today I'm joined by Leslie. Hello, how are you doing? Oh, good, thanks. And Reese. Hello, how are we doing? All good. And Helen. Hi, hope you're all good. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about Portrait of a Lady in Fire, so hopefully we're all good. <laughs> thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to this episode of FlixWatcher Podcast. Joining us today, we have Reese and Leslie. Over to you, please, Leslie, to tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Um, I'm a little bit of a Nathan Barley, I guess. Um, kind of all <laughs> over the place. Um, that is a deep cut, guys. Uh, <laughs> if you reckon, if you recognise that, that name, then it does place you in a certain space and time. An exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, especially with uh, movies I watch and media I watch, I guess. Uh, so I'm a photographer. Uh, I write. I podcast. I podcast for. Um, Fatal Attractions, um, which is... We've uh, had a few of your people on here before. Yes, indeed. Um, we do, um, which we talk about um, erotic thrillers and what we love about them and hate about them. Um, I'm also on uh, a hiatus podcast at the moment called um, Hustlers of Culture, where we talk, about po- uh, we talk about film and media from a kind of ethnic perspective. Don't know when that's coming back yet, but both of them are very interesting podcast to be on from very different places uh, talking about very different films um but yeah i, I and i've written as well i've uh, written for little white lies um empire um i currently write for the playlist and set the tape probably a few other places as well <laughs> when you say when you say what you hate about erotic and movies what 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 does that mean what do you hate about erotic films uh You've got to watch some of the movies to see what you, to see what you hate about them. Um, so it's not the genre; it's a specific film in itself that you might well, you might take the, against it. There's elements of the genre that is just a lot of it hasn't aged as well, considering where we are now. Um, so you're looking at films of the 80s and 90s, and it's been very interesting 
We're we're 90, 91 episodes in now, and it's been very interesting. So many times we've had names of people, Harvey Weinstein, Woody Allen, um, certain people where you're like, oh, this is interesting to talk about now in this in in this current stage. Um, so that's kind of what you kind of dislike about them. There's some very dated um, views, very strange things in terms of uh, gender and and whatnot going in some of these in some of these films. You've had Amelie on on before, I think, and um, she'll she'll happily tell you what she hates about everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, that's I mean that's. Uh... I mean, I, well, I think we'll actually talk about Amelie later on in this episode, won't we? Uh, she's, she's given us a, a response, um, which she responded to. But let's head over to uh, the chap who's directly above me on my screen, as I can see him. Reese, please introduce yourself. Hi, yeah, my name's Reese. I also go by the name Rio, which is just a nickname I've had since childhood. Um, I run a YouTube channel where we focus on films I rate four stars and above, uh, new releases, uh, a few top ten lists and stuff like that. I also write for a website called The Cinematic. And I'm due to be starting a podcast in January. Oh, wow. You're joining the podcast uh, clutch of people, the herd of podcasters. Yes, I am very much trying to get some training in at the moment. So it's good of you guys to have me on here. Well, it's, well, these are your training wheels. Hope you enjoy um, using us as much as you want to. Um, why why the cutoff with four stars? Uh, well, I started the channel a couple of years ago, and it seemed to be a case of just a lot of the videos that were getting high views were just me slating films. <laughs> and that wasn't originally why I kind of started the, the channel. And it's not a, a monetary thing. It's more enjoyment. So I just decided to focus on stuff that I enjoy watching more than the negative stuff because it just rolls on the all negative comments and stuff. It just gets a little bit too much. For a bit of inside of baseball here, for when we uh, when guests are coming on and picking films, one of the lines that do say is like, try and make it a half decent film because it is... It is kind of tough. It's not. It's not so interesting for us, or I don't think for listeners. When it's just four people saying this film's rubbish, and then everyone's just like, "Well, why did you choose it then?" Um, what I do like is when people like half the people like a film, and half people don't like a film. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. I can agree with you a lot there, uh, Reese, in terms of why waste your time watching, listening, reading things that just aren't of interest to you, and then talking about them more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, obviously the writing on the website, I'll review anything I go see, so I'll write about anything. It doesn't bother me if it's good or bad, but it's 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 a bit easier to do it in write form rather than video form um, when you're kind of just slating something and it's not fun constantly repeating yourself when you're getting the video wrong about how much you hate a film, right? We've never hated any films at all on here ever. <laughs> Maybe a few. Uh, yes, there's been a few lower scores. Is that, oh, it's, has that been due to one of us, or is it typically a guest that's taken against stuff, Helen? Probably me, isn't it? If we took <laughs> other ones. <laughs> oh, I don't like this film. Um, no, I think it's the, the scoring balances everything out normally in the end, doesn't it? Even if one person really doesn't like it, then the positivity from everyone else makes sure that it tends to boy it. it gets some points. Well, we're talking today, Reese, about the film you chose, which is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it, and then? I'll get my timer up and we'll give you 60 seconds or less for the synopsis. No problem. The reason I chose it is it's one of my favourite films and the fact that it's on a streaming service is just a joy. Anyone that can <laughs> go out and see it that's not aware of the film, any people I can put onto it that are not aware of it, which you should be aware of it if you're into films. Um, it's just a blast of a film. Hold on a second. I'll get the timer. Uh, timer starts now. Okay, so it is a love story set in the 18th century in France. 
It's all about Marianne, a young painter who is tasked with painting a wedding portrait of a young aristocrat. Uh, the only problem is she has to do it without her knowing. So she has to study her throughout the days and paint the portrait in secret. Lovely. Very nice. 25 seconds in. This was one of the people's, um, I just took a, a couple of points you said there before we go into um, handing over to Leslie and Helen. Uh, this is many people's, well, features many people's top 10, if not towards the top of the film of the year when it came out. And also one thing you said about it coming on a streaming service. I think it's been on Mubi for a while, but that's slightly less accessible to people. So for it to come onto Netflix is is definitely a coup and it's definitely um, a good opportunity. And this is the first time I've seen it. I've, I've got movie and I still just one of those things where it's like an extra step to watch it. So yeah, thank you for choosing it. Leslie, Helen, have you seen this before? Um, what are your initial thoughts? I have seen it before. My initial thoughts were um, the film destroyed me um, <laughs> last time I watched it. Um, I wasn't I wasn't quite prepared for just how strong a feeling or strong a reaction I got from the from the movie. Um, be it a romance or otherwise, um, I think it's a beautifully kind of captured feature. And it's just got this, there's an element, despite everything that's going on in there, there's this strange warmth from the film that kind of radiates from it all the, like, all over. And it's got possibly one of my favourite endings I've seen in a long time. And it was actually a really joy to watch it again, um, this time over. I, I just seem to get a lot get a lot out of the movie. Um, those two that 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 relationship is so tense and just full of feeling and thoughts that aren't said. And I there's something really emotional and passionate about watching those uh, watching what happens on screen. Have you seen it before, Helen? On, on movie, this is under the streaming service that is available to people. But obviously, stick on Netflix. Um, have you seen it before in a movie or in the cinema or other places, Helen? Sadly, not in the cinema. Cinema. I would have loved to have seen it in the cinema. But I saw. I saw this. Um, kind of like it was my probably my favorite lockdown film viewing. So yeah, I saw it when it was on movie and pretty much recommended it to to everyone and got everyone to sign up to to movie using my special codes from it. Um I'm a huge fan of Celine Siama's films and I just think this is so beautiful and I absolutely love everything about it. I don't think anyone quite does sort of intimacy and feelings in the way that she does and the two perf- main performances are just so incredible and there's just so much that you've you've already both said that I completely agree with, and it's such a moving experience that it's it's great. It's on Netflix, which means more people can can now see it. And hopefully, you'll be listening to this and thinking, "Oh, I haven't seen it. It's French, but you know, it's got <laughs> subtitles." But I might be tempted to give it a go just from what we've said already. Hopefully, I did check to see if you could actually have a, an English dub version of it, and there was no option. It Good. was French <laughs> with subtitles or yeah, not. I'm happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> when, um, to talk about TV show, Squid Game came on and there's an option to dub it from the Korean into the English. And that, that was the most atrocious thing I've ever, I've ever witnessed when it defaults to the English, English overdub. I thought something was wrong with me. Um, yeah, it's not fun at all. I watched no. Dark, the German, the German program yeah. in all German, which is beautiful, lovely program. I thought I'm going to be trying the subbed version, the English version. Awful. Worst five minutes of my life. (laughs) 
We do talk about flipping flopping between uh, Studio Ghibli and that being an interesting prospect, depending on the film. But yeah, I mean, look, watch it in an original language. You get the t- intonation more, you get the you get the vibe more. And if you can't deal with that one inch barrier, as um, director Bong uh, said um, for Parasite, which, good lord, if Parasite ever comes on Netflix in the UK, someone better choose that bad boy. Um, but it seems everyone here is a fan of foreign language films. It's not a problem for us. But I think sometimes that is a that is a roadblock for people to get involved in, isn't it? So, Reese, at what point do you know it's an LGBT love story? Did you know Did you know the story before you came into watching the film, or was it just a surprise? No, no it's just one of those 2019 films that was people were talking about. Um, I, I love Celine Sciamma's work, all her previous films. So going into it, it I didn't know anything about the story at all. Mm. I don't watch trailers. Um, I just look at cast lists and directors and that's how I choose which films I'm going to watch based on my own personal time. If it's a screening invite, I'll pretty much go and watch anything. But with this one, I didn't really know anything about the story at, uh, at all. It was very fresh to me. You said, um, Celine Sciamma, so I haven't seen any of her films beforehand, but I've been very, very aware of girlhood and just the fact I've not been able to grab it. And it looks, everything I see about the film, I'm like, yeah, I want to watch that. Um, and this kind of leans back to the availability and the ease of access sometimes. Tell, tell us about Celine. What does, what does she bring to the table that others perhaps don't? Um, Helen, you talked a bit about intimacy that she portrays on screen. Yeah, what Helen said was, was 100% right. I feel like she just gets human emotions. With Portrait, for instance, I don't relate to anything that's going on on screen. It, I, mm. Them characters are just completely the opposite to what I am, but you feel such a, an emotional connection to them. Um, and she seems to have very grounded human stories. She seems to understand what makes humans tick. And every single film she's had, they're all completely different films, but they're all very much grounded human stories. And the fact that she writes and directs her own stuff mm. means that her films have a certain type of feel. I feel like with filmmakers that write and direct, they do have their own kind of style. Um, and Celine definitely has her own style for sure. Her performances that she she gets out of children as well are just incredible. Um, Petite Maman last year and Tomboy as well, and and the cast, the slightly older girls in Girlhood. But like you said, they're all completely different films, but they're all quite emotionally devastating in in their own special way, but filled with incredibly beautiful moments. So you can kind mm. of like have your heart broken but at the same time be surrounded by kind of love and and beautiful moments so it's yeah the, the, I'd, I'd recommend them all I don't know if I'd pick one particular one I would just say try and watch them all if you can yeah definitely I think Petite Maman sorry to cut you in Petite Maman nice. probably the shortest of her films the most recent one, um, that's probably the easiest one to, to get into. I think anyone can relate to the story that is told there. Um, but yeah, no, overall, I think what she said in relation to the the, the characters um, and the young actors, she can get some unreal performances out of first-time actors, people that have never been on screen before. So mm. it's really a joy to see, for sure. We've had a few uh, LGBT stories here. I'm not sure when this one will come out, but we've had Coming By Your Name, Ammonites, um, God's Own Country and one thing Helen and I talk about when those f- uh, films come on is that often the uh, verses are straight oh it's the blue is the warmest colour um, there seems to be fewer 
uh, kind of rom-coms for LGBT or, and straight, straight stories tend to be on the, on the rom-com side rather than the more kind of serious drama side of things, with the exception being the, uh, before trilogy. What do you guys make of that? Is that, is that, is that a fair statement? Do you think there's, there's something to that? There is and there isn't. I think it's one of those things where I'm, I feel that the, the biggest pull about, um, LGBT movies for me is the fact that they, there's a dynamic there that I don't think has been mined enough for more mainstream audiences. Um, there's still kind of a stigma around such remote, uh, such romances on screen that you can mm. really capture something here that seems almost not unique, but just, just different in the, in the, in the, di- the, the, the dynamic of it all. Um, I mean, I'm looking at this and it reminds me of films like obviously we had Moonlight, which won um, the Oscar. You have um, Happy Together from 1997, um, which was very hard to find by uh, Wong Kar Wai mm. until um, it came out on um, Criterion uh, this year or maybe last year. Um, there is an element of that of of LGBT um films that you are able to find and watch and Netflix even had some of their own as well. I can't remember what the name of one was called that I watched. I did um, watch it and review it, but it wasn't particularly great. I mean, it's there, but unfortunately I think with so much of this stuff, I always feel that it's distribution. There's always this element of someone turning around going, Oh, I don't think anyone will go for that because it's not a straight romance. When actually, as we've seen from, just only a couple of years ago, they can win awards, they can win the Oscars, they can make money. And I think we're in a, an interesting place now in order to do that. So I think it I think it is there. And I think it is just a matter of finding the right, the right way of distributing them. I mean, when Bros came out earlier this year, people were, were quite frustrated that everyone seemed to have forgotten The Birdcage, um, the Robin Williams movie. Which we've had on here as well. Yeah. And it's just one of those things on where, like, it, it is there, but I think for some reason, every 10 years, we seem to forget everything that's happened previously. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what that is, but um, I think there's a strength in the dynamic that can make stories quite interesting, especially from a societal point of view. I think it's quite often a piece with LGBT stories, um, historically, that it ends in tragedy. And that's, that's not the recent crop we've seen is that there is, a, there seems to be a higher, there seems to be a, a lighter, brighter side to these stories, even if they don't end up in a, um, they, they end this film, they don't end up together. It's not one of them is cast off to an asylum and or killed and or, you know, something worse. It's just the, it's the course of the relationship has run its course rather than anything more, uh, anything darker. I don't know, Reese, you're going to say something. Yeah, no, I just think it's a case of one of these films blowing up the same way Parasite done in 2019 for forage language movies and how we've progressed with how they're getting released and what we're seeing on the different streaming sites and cinemas. I think when an LGBT movie kind of hits that kind of levels, it's going to completely blow up. Um, mm. Times have definitely changed over the last kind of like five years to what it was. We're seeing a lot more of these type of films um, being released, but it's just a case of one of them having that kind of mainstream appeal. Um, Bros is a, a quality movie, but it just didn't do well enough at cinemas. But if we keep getting more of those, they keep getting good reviews. And hopefully in the future, we'll see more and more. Any thoughts, Helen, before we head over to the scores? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think 
that people will genuinely seek out a a great film with a good story that has something that they connect with and not necessarily just because it kind of reflects their lifestyle or specifically for that kind of romance. So I I think it is a studio thing and that they're always kind of saying, oh, there isn't an audience for this, but it's like, well, there is. It's just like, if you don't put out good films that people are going to want to see and tell their friends and go out and see the cinema, then they're not going to make any money to go, well, this one made money, let's make some more, or this one reached an audience. So it's it's just one of those things that people will enjoy great films. Um, you've just got to get them out there to begin with. So I guess with things like movie you've got more kind of options. They're sort of getting more mainstream releases. I just look at something like Decision to Leave. So having that kind of backing behind it, you know, can only help. But I think if the story's great and the performances are great, then people are going to go and and see it. I think tastes have changed a lot more. I did want to, I mean, there's so much more I could talk about, but I think a couple of the films that we've had on recently, um, I wasn't quite sure whether I bought the relationship between them and whether I thought the chemistry worked. But in the case of this, absolutely. And there's so much that isn't said, but it's mostly through facial expressions, particularly um, Eloise Adele. Is it Hennen? How do you pronounce her last name? I don't know how to pronounce it. Adele Hennen, I think it is. Her her face, her grumpy kind of angry face at the start. (laughs) She's just so angry and nothing can kind of break through and she just eventually becomes like more softer and when she smiles and when she eventually starts to laugh it's just an incredible performance where not really much has happened nothing's really been said and it's all kind of this very physical face performance it's not even that much body language either it's all in the face and eyes I just think it's it's really beautiful performance from from both them well there's a sort of third female as well but those two in particular were outstanding but is that scene where they break down each other's facial expressions isn't there and they kind of go through and the understanding they have of each other as, as people um and they kind of both both don't realize how much they've been paying attention to the other one um, and that's all clear to see when that moment happens in the film you get a greater understanding of how good the performances have been from both of them but no i agree i thought the two lead performances were fantastic I think there's a piece about you said Helen, um, I think, well, about not buying the romances, and that's that's where often these films, uh, straight rom com or otherwise, they they pin they they pivot around that point. And this was the build up here was quite slow, um, but then it meant that the when they there's a first kiss, I guess is the first point that often uh, there's to the audience there's a there's a clear line of interest. Um, it was like oh yeah this this makes sense. Um, whereas other films, when there's there's suddenly there's a kiss, you're like, where the hell did that come from? That makes no sense. There's no kind of build up to it. There's no kind of earned feeling, feeling a bit being earned. And one of the, one of the bits I liked the most, one of the scenes I liked the most, when they're, when they're breaking down at which point they wanted to kiss each other first. And it's like, oh yeah, what do you think about it? You're like, oh yeah, I can see why, I can see where that could have happened. I can see what that would have happened. And I think I've, I've had those discussions with previous girlfriends before that, like, when, when did you first? fancy me or when did you first realize and that, that kind of scene there i think was really nice to have that in the in the story as well 
But I do want to touch on Sophie because I think she's a, she's a larger part of the story than people know about before we go to the scores. Um, and this, um, this third character who is super helpful. She's like the world, one of the world's kindest people, but going through this traumatic experience at the same time, but also being supported by uh, the two main characters. I thought I was really, I didn't know she existed in the story. And I think she's a fantastic, she's a great part. Also, Valeric Lino as, as, um, as a mother, that's mm. threw me for a loop. Yeah. <laughs> Hot Shots partner. <laughs> yeah. Hot Shots partner, Rain Man. Just, what, what is? Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point to just bring up. Um, because it's, this is my first of them, the director's movies. But one of the things I seem to hear from everything and is clearly shown in this is she's kind of depicting like this, this sense of womanhood. I mean, the beautiful moment that kind of leads up to the, the title of the film, um, <laughs> where they all start singing and they all start singing around in, in the campfire. It's, that is a, extraordinary moment for something so simple um and it's something that you could you could only really have with sophie there and there's that beautiful moment um uh with sophie where i don't want to say too much about plot spoilers but obviously she's going through something quite traumatic and as she's going through this traumatic thing there is a there is a a, a baby right next to her and you've got this really weird kind of contrast and tension between that about what's occurring and, and what that kind of represents. And I don't want to say too much. It's great for you to watch a film in order to, to see what happens. Um, but it's just this interest, like so much of the film is this interesting kind of conversation about womanhood and what it seems to be, what, what it seems to be like for a woman. Sorry to kind of say that, when there is a, a woman here that can actually kind of agree or disagree to what I'm saying. Um, You're trying to mansplain, Leslie. What's going on? <laughs> exactly. I'm very worried about that. So, but, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's really interesting you, you've mentioned that because all the way through, um, Marianne, the paint, she, she's a painter in her, her own right, but it's her father's business that mm. she's kind of mm. painting and drawing under because obviously women weren't allowed to paint and she mentions it at some point that um they're not allowed to observe ma the male new to to make their studies and she does it um in secret and even at the end they're at a um an exhibition and uh she presents her painting under the name of her father so it's very much focused on gender roles at that time so i mean yeah. Eloise is being married off in place of her sister. So it's not even her arranged marriage. It's her sister's arranged mm. marriage that she has to fulfill. So it's very much reinforcing the gender roles, but in kind of a, a different way and sort of saying there is something outside of that or kind of looking at them in as they are. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think what you've said um, is fine. I'm not going <laughs> to... Anything else, anything else recent before we head to the scores? I just wanted to touch on one other thing. Uh, the cinematography in, mm. in this film is just sublime. Uh, Claire Mafon is a cinematographer. She done um, Spencer, uh, the Pablo Lorraine film with uh, Christian Stewart, and also shot uh, Petite Maman, the last um, Celine Sciamma film. And she's. I'm trying to find the previous French film she's done, but it's a little bit hard because there's no big names attached. But... Um, I just wanted to touch on on that because it's just a, a beautiful film from start to finish, and then the um, the location scout and as well everything there was just visually. I just thought it was stunning. 
I think the, the direct contrast with Ammonites, which I can't remember if this is out by the time we'll, this episode comes out, but Ammonites, they're both set by the coast. In Ammonite, you know, the coastal line regions on the, on the rocky pebbly beaches here, this, the coastal line is a lot more forgiving and beautiful traditional sense. And, you know, I'd, re- I'd know where I'd rather be. I think the cinematography played its part in both senses, but yeah, the, the cinematography in, uh, in portrait was more to my liking. But let's head to the scores, guys. We can keep on talking on. Uh, about the film as we go through them. Hello, I'm Hannah Flint from The First Film Club, a film podcast series dedicated to established and emerging talent, both in front of and behind the camera, and the feature debuts that launch their careers. From the new drama Mass to the cult classic Heathers, each episode is dedicated to a film, a guest, and the behind-the-scenes stories, memories, and advice from their time on set. Find us, The First Film Club, wherever you listen to your stripped media podcasts. Come join the club. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. They are always out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Reese, with your recommendability. Uh, recommendability i'll probably give it a a 3.5 that's just not because i don't want everyone to watch it it's just if i'm talking on a a grand scale of normal viewers some people are going to be put off by the it being a french um, love story Uh, so 3.5 yeah 3.5 um for me i wish everyone would watch it i but if someone asked me for a film recommendation one of my friends who watches five films a year, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, is probably not the film I'd go to. Um, if it's yeah. a film fanatic who hasn't seen it, then by all means, I'd, I'd put it forward to them. Uh, Leslie? I would go 3.5 as well. Um, I think the, the one-inch barrier that is the subtitle has become worse in the last 20 years, unfortunately. Um, I, used to, I remember working at a cinema and there used to be a point in time where seeing more foreign films were quite easy and now it seems to be even more it seems to be more difficult and it's very hard to try and get someone into something like this which is it's quite a deliberate pace for a movie um and lots of people want something happening all the time as opposed to letting the film kind of wash over them but i know that there would be a strong subset of subset of, of of people that i could easily recommend this film to as i brought him up before anyone who's a fan of someone like one car Wai or, or anything else like that would would get gain a lot out of this movie 3.5 helen because he scores a break in my heart <laughs> helen. i have to say i think this is the best film that is available to stream right now absolutely like this, this is way way above anything else that is on netflix for sure at the moment it is killing me not to be able to give it a five, but I think that that it's a, a French lesbian period drama might put a few people <laughs> off. Language, romance, and periods. You're, I mean, you're not a period. You're not a period person yourself, are you? If this I'm is not, not a massive period drama fan. No. If this was set up as a um, as an English language period, would this would that entice you more? Would that be? You know, I'd probably had it not been um, from the director and um, that it just just from like the stills just look so beautiful and yeah. just that 
that whole image of like, why is she on fire? Like, what is going on? Just, <laughs> just that. And then like a couple of the beat shots were enough for me to go, what is this film? I need to see this film. I need to know what's going on. Um, but I mean, I, I tend to recommend a bit more wild and free than probably, um, most people. So I, I'm going to give it a 4.5. And the, the, the point five is that if you don't like subtitles and you're not willing to give French films a go, then maybe don't watch it. But if you're, if you're looking for something that is really, really, really beautiful, then this is it. So what's that score? 4.5? Yeah. I'm going to go for four. I'm, I'm quite surprised that uh, Leslie and Reese here, but there is, is you have to mitigate four people. I like your, what you're saying about people who watch like five films a year. And it's hard. It's, it's kind of weird that that is a lot of people, <laughs> isn't it? Um, I remember being, someone asked me once what I did at the weekend. And I was like, yeah, I saw like four or five films in the cinema. And they're like, what? Are you insane? What's the matter with you? It's like, well, there were a lot of good films that I wanted to see in the cinema. So what's the matter? And he's like, well, I've watched maybe one film every like six months in the cinema. Like, okay. This it just shows the, the breadth of people. Um, and, Hey, this wouldn't be a film I'd recommend to people who go to cinema. Well, to be honest, maybe they go to cinema only twice because there's only films of this caliber that they want to see. They don't want to see the Avengers or or Star Wars or whatever run comedies on. But yes, it's. I think it needs. And I think you, I think you need to know your audience before you recommend it. Uh, but for overall um, repeat viewing score, Reese. It's a five for me. It's come out in 2019. I've seen it probably about 20 times. I watched oh, it twice shit. alone this weekend. <laughs> if I like, if if I really like a film, any film which I rate highly, I'll sit down and dissect every single minute detail of it. And this is definitely one which I watch a few times for enjoyment and then kind of study in the cinematography, like I spoke about previously, is something I'm I'm really into at the moment. I like good looking films, um, working out why they do certain shots and everything like that so portrait of an idea on fire is definitely one which has a lot of rewatchability for me for sure um wow um leslie um, <laughs> it's, i don't know why it's let me stunned like that's that's a lot of times to watch it's the second time i've watched this movie um and i was kind of happy to go uh, to go over it again i when someone picks something for you sometimes and they don't know who you are you always kind of wonder what they might pick and why so good on you reese I will give this a um, four in terms of repeat viewing. I think there is a. I will. I will say that the pace of the movie means it's good for a, like a good Sunday night movie, Sunday evening movie. It's not one that I can see myself always going back to. However, it is something I wish I can own so I can show more people. Helen. So this is my um, second time watching it, and uh, I think that was the right amount of time between it. It is a good two hours, and it, it, yeah, it is a slow one. But once you kind of get immersed in that, then there's just there's just sort of so much going on that isn't like major stuff. There's um, there's a part at the end where there's a, there's a painting of her and she's got her little book and it's turned to the page where she's got her sexy little drawing on and things like that, that you really have to kind of... 28. Yeah, page 28 for that drawing. Um, it's just those really beautiful moments that I think had I not rewatched it, I would have just not remembered that. So I really enjoyed rewatching it. It didn't really make me want to watch all of her other films again, which I've only seen. This is the only one I've seen twice, so... 
I feel like it's gearing me up for some more rewatching. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a four as well for repeat. Okay. I think I, oh, this is my first time watching it. I need to watch it again. Um, and I guess I don't watch in the best of circumstances, a bit tired, uh, swapping from TV to iPad, uh, to computer screen when I had like a bit of lunch break. So I do want to watch it and give it my, my full undivided attention in one fell swoop. Um, but yeah, I need to watch it again. So, uh, 3.8 small screen score. Has anyone seen this in the cinema? No. Uh, all small screen. Okay. Well, uh, Reese, you go first. Small screen score. I've only seen it on a small screen, so it's hard to see how it, it differs from being in a cinema. If the BFI puts it on, like they put on a lot of these older mm. French older. films, I will be there for sure. <laughs> I say older, I mean, just, um, foreign language is what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> if they put on these foreign language films um, from a couple of years ago, then I'll definitely be going to see it. I'd love to see the visuals on screen. Um no, I, I love the film. It's one of my favourite films. It's hard to give it anything but a five when I love it as much as I do and I've only seen it on the small screen. I might change my mind when I see it in the cinema and there might be a stark comparison between the two. But right now, because of my love for it, I have to give it a five as well. Fair play. Leslie? Um, 4.5. There is something about the colour in the cinematography that is so warm and different and... There's a vibrancy in there that just has you what just direct your eyes to it. I think there's some really interesting plays on colour in it that makes it just worth watching on a small screen, let alone a big screen. Um, I think the film is absorbing and I think the big moments, even though it's a film that kind of built up of small moments, are just so arresting. Like I said, the, the campfire scene and the finale is like unbelievable. I, could, I can't imagine what that would have been like on a big screen because just the use of music and performance and that last shot, and then it leaves you in silence. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. But these days, more people are watching stuff on small screens now than watching stuff on TV. Um, so yeah, um, 4.5. Helen. Oh, I would have loved to have seen this at the cinema so much. It's really interesting what you say about the use of music um, because there is no score. There is no music apart from um, the 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 music she, she plays on the, the piano, the, the acapella song. Isn't there a bit of score at the end? Well, the, the acapella the, the... song and then the the piece of music, which is the music that she plays on, on the piano. So there's, there's no other music and the only kind of like sounds are the like the rustling of the dress and the the sea and and all of that so the sound is really incredible in itself in that it's there's an absence of what we'd normally expect and I guess what we'd normally expect from kind of a period type drama as well you'd expect there to kind of like be pianos and strings and sort of like here is the big emotional moment music coming up and here it is and here it gets you going whereas a lot of the time there's like painting brushstrokes and things. So I think I would really love to see that. But again, I've enjoyed it at home. So I'm going to give it a four. Um, I think it'd be really cool to see it in the cinema. And I think just the whole kind of ambience of a foreign language film does envelop you a bit more in cinema. So 3.8, again, engagement score. Reese. Hmm. It's a hard one for me. <laughs> Any film that I like, I I'm, I don't really turn off films. Even if I dislike films, I call them, 
if it's a TV program, I'll give it an episode or two and then turn it off. Films, sure. I'll normally just write it out. So I think my answer <laughs> for any film on this podcast would be a five. Fair enough. Uh, Leslie? Engagement, I'd say um, five. I wouldn't take I wouldn't take this movie off if it was on again. Um, I, I, I just wouldn't. I think it's... There is something about the way those performances are so in tune with each other that you want to know more. And I would give that five. Helen? Yeah, I thought I could do like a little bit of research on the side while I was like watching it just to kind of like find out like little bits of trivia and stuff. But you can't, um, mainly because if they say anything, you'll miss that. But also, I was just like, why am I doing this? Like, stop. Just like, you don't need to know this trivia. It can wait until the end. So I was kind of like, <laughs> I've seen it before. I don't need to have like 100%. And I was like, actually, I do. This is like really amazing. Um so did you know it's Valeria Galino when when you're watching it I didn't know I've like I didn't recognize her I thought she might have been someone else but it wasn't her but the I did recognize Sophie from um happening so I did have to find out who she was but I didn't recognize um it's been a long time since I saw her um so uh I didn't give it I think it is quite a slow one though so it's not like one way you have to if you like blink, you miss something and you have to go backwards. Um, so I'm going to give it 4.5. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I think I, again, I was, I was, I was tired and bouncing around from, from place to place. Uh, and it's kind of feeds into a repeat being score where like I need to watch it again because I, I don't think I did it justice in that, in that viewing. So 4.5 and four, go on computer. And that gives us an overall score of 4.25625. Hi, good. um, who go? In fact, you know, recent, recent, Leslie, you, on the recommendability score is lower than I thought it was going to be, um, but fair enough. But 4.2565 is very decent. Should we head to Twitter, guys? Everybody who's listening to us, uh, do follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're still on Twitter at the moment. I don't know, there's discourse as to whether people will pivot to a different place. Anyway, we're currently on Twitter, at FlixWatcherPod, um, and do follow us because we do talk about films in general, uh, films on Netflix, and also before we go for recording, we put out a tweet like this. We're reviewing Portrait of a Lady on Fire, with Afro Film Viewer, that's Leslie, and uh, from Fatal Track Pod and Rio, how do you say that? Rio's, Rio's positive, positive POV. POV. <laughs> um, have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and your score out of five stars for a shout out on Fixwatch. And we had a fairly lively discussion and a few responses here. Um, quite a few people we know. Reese, have you got the have you got the tweets in front of you? I'll go for the um, the, the five <laughs> five star one. Um, I don't know what the actual at is, um, but five stars, film left me stunned, had to take months to sort out why. It was a visual and emotional sensory overload, which I fully understand. Never felt so engaged and seen a film before or since like it. That was from uh, BD Jojo Negoro. Uh, yeah. Couldn't understand what <laughs> you want to tell that one. Uh, Leslie, do you want to pick one? Yeah, I'm going to be a bit selfish. I'll pick Amelie, the, the only clear Luna. Because it's the one I reacted to. <laughs> um, um, I've seen parts of it as I fell asleep about after about twenty minutes and missed about half an hour. Everyone, I know everyone loves it, but personally, I struggle with with um, uh, Skiamas. Sorry, Skiamas. slow storytelling where I feel not much is happening, or at least touching me. I'll give it another try though. 
I don't know what to say to that, so I'm gonna. Well, you weren't. <laughs> um, it's just that. Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, just, just never be sorry. You're a philistine. If you expand next time I see her, I'll I'll have a word. <laughs> if you expand the thread, guys, who listening, yeah. go, go to spare. Just type in Flix Watcher and Portrait, and it'll, it'll pop up. Uh, but there, the two 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 co-hosts on the same podcast were not at. They didn't agree with each other. Let's just say Helen. Um. So this is a previous guest, Barbara Mendes George. Watched it at the cinema and left transformed. Engrossing, gorgeous, moving, five stars. Very jealous. Um, you got to see it at the cinema. Reese, there's a couple more left, I think. Slow burn, pun intended, but the viewer is vastly <laughs> rewarded once you've reached a quietly devastating and deeply emotional coda. Four stars, and that's from Liam H. Dempsey. And there's one last one, I think. Uh, Leslie? Yeah, from David Trumbull on Dr- uh, Dumb. Drumble is, 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 uh, is his handle there. It says, truly the most devastating cinematic love affair I've ever experienced. I felt I felt like I had lived an entire lifetime within the space of their brief, beautiful relationship. The cinematography, writing and direction and the two lead turns are so crushingly truthful. Five stars. Truth bombs there. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, Reese, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Can you tell everyone, just briefly remind them where we can find you online and then say goodbye to the listeners. Yeah, sure. So anywhere, if you Google um, Afro Film Viewer, I'll come up in some form, um, either on Instagram or on Twitter. You can find me at Fatal Attractions, which is Fatal Attractions Pod on Twitter, um, or Culture Hustlers, um, which is also on Twitter, uh, Hustlers of Culture on my other podcast, wherever good podcasts are found. And yourself, Reese. Yeah. So my at is Rio's positive POV. That's R E O S positive POV. Uh, take you to my Twitter account and there's a link tree link there, which brings you to the website I write for. Um, IMD profile, that kind of stuff is on there. So head over there and you can find out everything that I do in relation to film. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much guys. Um, say goodbye to the listeners. Thanks for coming on. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production